Hi, this is Nathan. Before we get to the episode, I want to invite you to join me on an incredible adventure this November of 2024. I am taking a small group of believers to Turkey, what the New Testament called Asia Minor, for a 12-day Bible study tour of the early church. We'll be studying the book of Acts and many of the epistles on location as we visit ancient cities like Ephesus, Laodicea, Heropolis, Antioch, Pergamum, and many more. If you are interested in joining me this November for a once-in-a-lifetime adventure as we study where much of the New Testament and early church took place, you can learn more by going to deeperchristian.com forward slash turkey. And if you're interested, don't delay. Spots are limited and on a first-come, first-served basis, and a $100 discount is available if you register before May 27th. I do hope you can join me. And again, more information is available at deeperchristian.com forward slash turkey. Now, here's the episode. Welcome to episode 101 of the Deeper Christian Podcast. This is the podcast to help you study God's word, know Jesus intimately, and discover how you can build your life around Jesus Christ. I'm Nathan Johnson, and in today's episode, I want to talk about how to be a man or a woman of purity. Let's dive in. Well, you don't have to look too far around you to notice that we live in a culture of just absolute moral depravity. Whether it be movies, television, magazines, or just the culture in general, it seems like we're just becoming more and more perverse. We're just becoming more dark. We're more depraved than ever before. Well, interestingly, this is not the only time in human history that Christians have had to deal with such an environment. In fact, it's interesting to me that when Paul was living in first century world, much of the first century Roman world was very similar to what we live in today. Now, granted, you know, they didn't have computers and internet and that kind of accessibility, but their whole world was just wrapped around this idea of just moral decay and depravity. It was a very sexually stimulated culture. And as such, there was just access to all kinds of per- perverseness. And it's interesting that in some of the big Roman cities of that day, like Rome or Corinth or Ephesus, that there was just because of the temple worship of the other gods and all that kind of just junk, there was so much temple prostitution and pornography that was just blatant just everywhere on the streets. It was like you just couldn't go anywhere without seeing just junk. Well, I don't know about you, but we live in that kind of a day. And it's encouraging to me that here's Paul writing in his epistles and he's encouraging the believers to live a life of purity, of righteousness, of triumph and freedom. In fact, over and over and over again throughout the entire New Testament, you get this undercurrent, you get this declaration of just, hey, don't just put your head in the sand but live a life of sexual integrity, of moral uprightness, of absolute purity, of righteousness and holiness. And what that's going to do is cause the world around you to look upon your life and say, wow, this this is utterly impossible, which by the way, is the reality of the Christian life. That the Christian life, when the world looks upon it, says, well, the only explanation for that life is Jesus. What would it look like if you and I in this day, in this age, in this culture, in the moral depravity and darkness that we live in, what if people would look upon us and say, wow, 
you know the only explanation for your life must be, well, Jesus. Now, if you're like most people, the question that then comes is, well, all right, I desire a life of purity. I desire to walk in the light, not in the dark. How on earth am I going to do this? Because it seems like everything is really against me in this battle for my purity, my holiness, and my righteousness. This last week, I had a great opportunity to go to Bainbridge, New York, and preach there at a little Bible school. And I just had such a, an incredible time. I really love the young men and women that were there at the school, and and we were just exhorting one another and just diving into the Word. And there was a couple of teachers, and we just had such a great time. And just seeing how God wove the Scriptures together throughout the week was absolutely just beautiful. And I was so deeply encouraged and blessed by my time there. Well, while I was there, I was so blessed and encouraged by a story by one of the young men. And I'll tell that to you in just one second. But I was preaching through Ephesians, and I was looking at Ephesians chapter 5, And I just love Paul's statement in verse 3. Paul says in Ephesians 5, 3, And do not let sexual immorality or any impurity or greed be named among you, as these are not proper among saints. It's an interesting statement in verse 3, but Paul is just exhorting the believers in Ephesus to say, Look, you are a saint. You have really been changed on the inside of your life by Jesus Christ. So you are to walk in holiness and blamelessness as he mentions in chapter one, but he makes this grand statement and he says, do not let sexual immorality or impurity or greed be named among you. Well, I've heard people talk about this verse before. And what is so sad to me is that they take this idea of, well, let it not even be named among you as to say, well, let's just not talk about that stuff. Yeah. It may be going on in our life, but let's just, if we just hide it, if we don't talk about it, well, at least it's not being, it's not coming out in the midst of our environment or our church. Well, that's not what Paul's saying here. In fact, the emphasis of the, of the passage is not, well, let's not talk about these things. In fact, probably one of the sad things about our church in this culture today is that we are not talking about these things more often than not. But what Paul is saying is not that we should hide sexual immorality and impurity or greed, But that if you were to go through our life with a fine-tooth comb, you shouldn't even find it. See, there shouldn't even be an ounce. There shouldn't even be a speck of sexual immorality or impurity or greed in our lives. Because that is not proper for Christians. Do you realize that as a believer, that we are called to be, as Paul says in Romans, more than conquerors through Christ Jesus our Lord? That we are called to walk in victory and triumph and purity, righteousness and holiness. That we are called to triumph in all ways at all times. Why? Because we know the one who has triumphed. We know the victor. Therefore, we can have victory. We, We know the conqueror of all conquerors. Therefore, we can be more than conquerors in Christ. So you realize the emphasis here is not, well, grit your teeth, take cold showers and try to pull this thing off. Good luck. You know, you can try to do this. No, this is impossible. And especially as a group of individuals who live in a culture like we do, how on earth are we going to live without even a speck or a blemish of sexual immorality, impurity, or greed? Well, that sounds impossible to me. I know. That is the phenomenal reality of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Because you can't, but he can So again, it begs the question, how on earth are we going to live this kind of a life? How are we going to walk forward 
with true purity and righteousness and holiness in our lives. It's interesting in Romans chapter 12, Paul makes this grand statement. He's been building up his argument for, for the first 11 chapters, but he comes thundering in in chapter 12 and he exhorts us by saying, I urge you therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service of worship. But listen to verse two. He goes on and says, do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is the good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Paul has given us a hint at this idea of, well, how are we going to walk in victory? He says, don't be conformed to this world. Hey, don't just behave and act and become like this world. But he says, rather than that, be transformed by the renewing of our minds. Now, I don't know about you, but we desperately need a transformation of our mind. We need a renewing of our mind. And it's this old illustration. If I have this cup full of muddy water and you realize it has a whole bunch of just stuff, you know, caked onto the sides. Well, if I have a pitcher of clean, pure water and I begin to pour it in, well, if I only pour a drop or so of the pure water into the junk water, well, the good water becomes junk. It just becomes polluted. What I need is a transformation of what's inside the cup. Well, the only way that's going to take place is if I continually pour good, clean water into the cup of junk water. See, when the good, clean water begins to pour in, it churns up all that mess that's in the cup. But after a while, if the clean water continues to pour in, the, the, the bad junk water begins to pour out of the cup. In fact, the more the clean water pours in, the more it cleanses the inside of the cup. And it doesn't take too long before you begin to recognize that if the clean water would just continually pour into the cup, well, it becomes drinkable because all the junk, all the stuff that's been clinging to the sides of the cup is suddenly removed and now the cup is full of clean water. See, that is our lives. See, most of us have polluted our minds. Most of us have darkened our mind with pollution. See, we have imbibed all this junk, all this impurity, all these thoughts, all these experiences, all these images, and now it's just clinging to our mind. And so we say, well, okay, I need a little Jesus. So we, you know, we put a drop of Jesus in our life and we say, well, see, it doesn't work. But the reality is he is the victor. He is the triumphant one. And it's not that, well, I tried a drop of Jesus and it didn't work. No, I need a constant living water rush of Jesus in my life. And what is amazing to me is if I would continue to pursue Christ, if I would continue to go after him, if he becomes my love, if he becomes my focus, if I just throw myself fully upon him, do you know what I begin to discover? I discover that he just continues to flow his purity, his clean water in my life, and it begins to churn up all the junk and begins to remove the junk. It begins to untwist the twistedness of my life. And what amazingly happens is that I become, well, pure. That my mind is transformed and renewed. Why? Because he has come in and he has changed it. He has transformed it. See, we as a culture desperately, desperately, desperately need that in our lives. And Paul says, hey, don't be conformed to the world. Hey, don't just look like the world around you, allow God to transform your heart and your mind in Christ. So to go back to my story, 
I was preaching in New York last week, and I was just exhorting these young men and women to pursue Jesus Christ, to allow Jesus to be the only explanation for their life. And it's such a phenomenal picture that Paul paints throughout the entire book of Ephesians that my position is in Christ Jesus. Therefore, I can live the Christian life, not because I'm talented or not because I'm smart enough. See, the reality is I can't pull off the Christian life in my own resource, ability, or talent. See, the only option that I have to live the Christian life is Jesus, who is the fullness of the Christian life. He is life itself. And the calling that you and I have to live as believers is absolutely overwhelmingly impossible to pull off in our own ability. So let's quit trying and instead cling to Jesus and say, Jesus Hey, I'm going to live a life of surrender. I'm going to live a life of dependence. I'm going to abide in you as a branch abides in the vine. And as I abide in you, would you come and would you fill me with your life? Would you come and fill me with your victory? Would you come and and begin to live out your life in and through my own? Now, this doesn't mean we are passive. See, this is not, well, I'll sit back and I'll let Jesus do everything and I'll do nothing. See, that, that is not the Christian life. See, you are fully engaged. You are fully participating, but this is not, you are not the engine of your own life. Jesus becomes the engine. He becomes the life source. And now you are getting to participate in your life with Jesus. Wow, this is such an amazing reality because suddenly what begins to happen is that you can live on a level that you couldn't live in and of your own self. You you can't pull this thing off. But when he comes and begins to pull off his life in and through you, hey, when you become the stage upon which he acts, when you become the the clothing upon which he wears, when you are the skin that he puts on, what begins to happen is you're not passive, you're fully active, you're fully participating, but now you are not the source of your life. He is the source of your life and everything in your life begins to change. See, what if we could walk forward in this culture of just dark and pollution What if we could walk forward in freedom? What if we could live lives of purity and of righteousness? Well, in the midst of all this exhortation to these young men and women in New York, I brought up the verse in Psalm 119 that says this. It's uh, Psalm 119, verse 9. The psalmist asked the question, how shall a young man keep his way pure? So how is a young man going to walk in the light? How is a young man going to walk in purity and victory and triumph? Well, the answer at the end of verse 9 is, by keeping it according to your word. And then I mentioned this idea, well, it's not by coincidence that two verses later in verse 11, the the declaration is, I've hidden your word in my heart that I may not sin against you. That that I've taken your word, and I'm not just going to live according to the word, but I'm going to take that word and hide it in my life. I'm going to put it in my heart. I'm going to literally drench my mind with the word so that... I can live it so that I may not sin against you. And there seems to be an interesting correlation between this idea of what does it mean to walk in purity and live according to your word and this idea of having that word hidden in our life that we may not sin against God. See, how are we going to transform our mind as Romans 12, 2 says? See, how are we actually going to pull off this idea of not allowing sexual immorality, impurity, or greed to be named in our life? Well, again, I I can't pull that off. I'm going to need Jesus to do that inside my life. But it seems like scripture gives us a key of how to live out a life of purity. 
and it's by living according to the word. See, you've got to be in the word. See, the word just can't be a thing I just tip my hat to, or it's not just something I bring to church on Sundays. And it's not just something I, you know, I pick up once and read a chapter a day to keep the devil away. That's not this idea. See, the idea of living according to your word is that the word of God becomes the very platform, the foundation, the center of how I'm living, of what my life is built upon. It's, it's, it's the grid. It's the filter through how I see the world. In fact, it's interesting if you think about every time that we give in to sin, the reason is because our focus is not upon Jesus Christ. See, when Jesus is the, the, the bigness in our mind, when he is this, just the centrality of our hearts, when, he, when we are longing and thirsting after him, sin really doesn't have much of a desire. It's just kind of a, eh, not interested. See, it's only as we're looking at Jesus and then in our peripheral, this, these temptations, the sin is just saying, hey, look at me, look at me, look at me. And the moment that I remove my gaze off of Jesus spiritually and put it upon anything other than him, it's only a matter of time before I give into it. See, I only give in a temptation when my eyes are off of Jesus, which is why the great old hymn says, turn your eyes upon Jesus, look full in his wonderful face, and the things of this earth will grow strangely dim in the light of his glory and grace. See, there is something about keeping our gaze and our focus upon Christ that just allows us to, oh, I want him more. And why would I want the filth and the junk of the world when I could have him whom I'm staring upon? Now, we're talking spiritually, you understand. And if I'm going to keep my gaze upon Jesus, you recognize that I have to be in the word. That How am I going to get to know Jesus more? Well, I'm going to know the living word through the written word. See, I, I have to have my life drenched, soaked, and saturated in the written word. See, I'm going to have to come to the Bible every day just saying, Jesus, I, I need your wisdom. Jesus, I want to long to get to know you as a person. Oh, would you let this word be not only my guidebook, but would you let this really be the filter through which I see and think? Would you would you even take the word and so drench my life with it that you begin to untwist my life, that you begin to unpollute the pollution? Would you begin to purify my heart and my mind? Would you transform me by your word? For how shall a young man keep his way pure? Well, by keeping it according to your word. And your word I've hidden in my heart that I may not sin against you. See, I really think that Romans 12, 1 and 2 and Psalm 119 are really linked together in this idea. How are we going to live lives of purity? We must live our lives according to the word. And therefore, we must hide his word in our hearts. Now, I know if you're like me, you'd say stuff like, well, I'm not that good at memorizing. So, I mean, and I don't even need to memorize. I, I have the Bible on my phone, so I, I can look it up whenever I need to. See, that is completely different. See, it's interesting that the more I've gotten into know the word of God, the more I begin to memorize scripture, that has become one of the most profitable things in my life. God has so just blessed that area. And I'm not a great memorizer. In fact, I really struggle in the area of memorizing. But here's what I've learned. We memorize that which is most important to us. See, that which we value, we have no problem memorizing. See, so many people who say they can't memorize can sing all the, all the lyrics to the latest song or they can quote the latest movie from front to end or, hey, they have all the sports statistics memorized. Why? Because they see those things as valuable. Well, why is it that we have a hard time memorizing people's names? 
Well, it's probably because we don't value their name enough that we actually don't really care whether or not we know their name. But it's interesting, the moment I say, you know what, I want to honor this individual, so I want to memorize their name for their sake. Do you realize it's a lot easier to memorize people's names? Because we value it. What happens if I begin to value God's word? What if I would say, I want to be intentional, and I don't want to just be able to go to God's word, but I want to have it inside of me. See, something radically shifts in your life when the word of God is hidden in your life. See, when you're talking to someone on the streets and, and you're God's saying, hey, let me speak something through you. It's amazing how much scripture can come out of you when it's inside of you. See, I can't just always pull up my phone and say, hey, let me read a few passages to you. But what happens if the word of God just starts spilling out of you? See, it's interesting in the middle of a temptation. See, most of the time we're not running to our Bibles in the middle of a temptation. But what happens if that word is already implanted within us and in the middle of a temptation, God just begins through his spirit to bring up passages into our mind to say, hey, you don't have to give into this because you are more than a conqueror in Christ Jesus, that he has already won the victory. So walk in the victory. So though we live in a modern era of just technology and, and all the privileges that that has, and hey, I, I love the fact that I don't have to memorize people's phone numbers anymore. I can just click on their face on my phone. But that's not true about the word of God. See, the word of God has to be implanted. It has to find its place inside our life. That it's not just a part of our life. It becomes the essence of our life because the whole written word of God is focused upon the living word of God, Jesus Christ. Again, we have to be drenched, soaked, and saturated with the word, both the written word and the living word. Well, at the end of this last week, as I was preaching in New York, I was heading to the airport and the the father who was taking me, I was so just encouraged because we were talking about the week and we were talking about his sons. And he mentioned something that several years ago, one of his sons was really struggling with this area of purity. And 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 what his son had confessed to him was basically that that he was starting to, you know, be enticed by all the junk and the pollution and the pornography of the world. But what happened was his son was involved in the Bible Bee. Now the Bible Bee is this great organization who encourages Uh, young men and women to memorize scripture, and they have these big competitions every year. Well, his son was involved in the Bible Bee, and and over the course of about a month, he had to memorize about 600 Bible verses, which I was kind of like, what? That's insane! But he was about to go to nationals, and he had the opportunity of of competing, and therefore he was trying to hurry and get ready for it. And so as such, he just really spent huge chunks of the day memorizing scripture. And in the course of a month, he memorized about 600 Bible verses, which that alone, I was just, I was impressed and I was so encouraged. I was like, oh, it's possible. Someone can do it. So there's hope for me. (laughs) You know, I was, I was just blown away. I was like 600. But here was the statement. At the end of that month, this young man said, you know what? The, the enticement and the desire of the junk of the world was gone. That he had so drenched his life and his mind in the word of God, and it was being written upon his heart that the allurements of pornography and sexual impurity just, it just had lost its grip. And it's amazing over the last several years as he's continued to participate in the Bible Bee and as he's, you know, as he's memorized God's word and just lived in God's word and just allowed the word of God to be written upon his heart. It's just, he has not dealt with this area that he has been able to walk in freedom and victory and triumph. And I was so encouraged by that testimony because it's like, yeah, that's exactly what I was telling these young men. 
and women. That, that, that hey, if you want to walk in victory and triumph, you've got to be in the word and the word has got to be in you. So let this be an encouragement to you. If you found yourself in the midst of darkness and pollution and your life is full of twistedness and junk, you realize that Jesus can forgive you. And you need to come to the cross and you need to repent and and ask Jesus to, to not only purify your heart and your mind and forgive the junk, but to renew your heart and your mind. And I would I would so strongly encourage you, get into the word of God and allow the word of God to get inside of you. To begin to memorize God's word and and memorize not just topics, like just, you know, these one-off passages, which those are great to have. For example, you know, if you're dealing with jealousy, well, memorize a bunch of verses on jealousy. You know, if you're dealing with purity issues, there's a great, there's a bunch of great verses to, to memorize on this area of purity. But besides those, I would encourage you to memorize long passages. Why, why don't you take an entire book and memorize an entire book like 1 John or or Philippians or Colossians or Ephesians? See, see, what if you would take a big chunk like 1 Corinthians 13 or the Sermon on the Mount, Matthew 5 through 7, and begin to take these chunks and begin to just, I'll just begin to memorize it and meditate upon them because you realize the phenomenal thought of memorization is that the only way you can properly memorize is lots and lots and lots of review, which means all throughout the day as you're walking around, you could be bringing back scripture into your mind and begin to rehearse it and memorize it and meditate upon it, thinking upon it and saying, Jesus, what does this mean? And and, and how do you want to change my life so it reflects your word? Which goes back to this whole idea that I talk so often about is this idea of saturation. That Bible study isn't just, well, spending some time in the word and then checking it off your list and going about your day, but bringing the word with you all throughout the day. Well, how great is it if the word is in you and you could just be meditating and pondering and praying over scripture all throughout the day because it resides within you? Can I encourage you? Get in the word and may the word begin to get inside of you. Would you begin to memorize scripture? Would you, would you begin to go after Jesus and say, hey, uh, how is a young man or woman going to keep their way pure? How am I going to live this life that I'm called to live as a believer in our culture today? Well, obviously, I'm going to have to keep it according to your word, O Lord. And so your word, I'm going to hide in my heart that I may not sin against you. Well, my prayer is that you would freshly go after Jesus Christ, that you would get into his word and long to know him through his written word, that that the word becomes the essence of your life, that Jesus Christ becomes the fullness of your focus. And then as you get into the word, the word also begins to get inside of you. Wow, what an amazing opportunity we have to think upon, to live within, and to dwell in the Word Himself. Well, thanks for listening to this episode of the Deeper Christian Podcast. For show notes of this episode, including some links to some helpful ideas of how to memorize and maybe some great passages to get started with, please visit deeperchristian.com forward slash 101 for episode 101. And until next time, Know I am cheering you on as you build your life around Jesus Christ.